so Michelle. Are you exhausted? I'm so tired. There's so much going There's on. There's too much going on. I know. And just when we thought we'd had enough of Burgess, back he comes. Oh, this is what I'd like to call back-to-back Burjo. <laughs> Let's get our, big, our FM voices on. The back-to-back Burjo files. Yeah. Lock it in and rip the knob off. We're going back-to-back Burjo for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> The ASIO threat assessment came out. I know. Out. I mean, how exciting. Like, we didn't we didn't really think about it when we were no. talking about Berger last year. No. Well, that was the other thing. Because Senate estimates, but then now I just think he just was like, you know what, I'm just going to rip all the Band-Aids off at once. <laughs> well, he didn't rip the Band-Aids off. He took the cast, smashed it against the wall, ripped yeah. it off, held his broken arm aloft and went, take it on, because... We're in hand-to-hand combat now, people. I know, and there's some really interesting things that came out of this, so I think we need to, like, just go and get involved. But not only that, but wait, there's more. More. Yes, Yes. steak knives, including a Biden knife visiting Ukraine and Putin going to toe in a stadium in Moscow. And I have a very interesting tweet about how they got Biden into Ukraine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've been following that story completely. It's a brilliant operation. Not Air Force One, but... A little plane and a train. A train. A choo-choo train. Planes, trains and automobiles. Yes, he was with the Fat Controller all the way. Let's go. Exciting. You're listening to I Spy, the train journey of Australian intelligence. Tickets, please. Tickets, please. Excuse me, can I see my ticket, madam? Yeah. All right, can I just punch that? Yep. There you go, I've just punched it. Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And look, Burjo. Burjo's back. Burjo is back. He had a huge speech on Tuesday night. He did. But let's not get too carried away with him because I want to just really touch on Biden. Yes. Putin. Of course. We'll talk about that and then we'll get into Burjo because I feel like Burjo's the meat dish. Oh, well, yeah, Biden I, and Putin are the yeah, entree. The amuse-bouche and yeah, entree. The but interestingly enough, a lot of what Burjo talks about is then reflected in what has been going on around the world. Right. Right. Now, to start off, Biden, Sleepy Joe, yes. caught a train. He did. To Kiev. I know. And what was really interesting was the head of the rail network for Ukraine. Yeah, I don't twi- know about this. He tweeted a whole thread about how... How amazing it was oh, seriously? to do it. And he also, in the thread, apologised for some trains running late because they had to get the US president in. You see, I think Sydney Rail could do that every time their trains break down. We go, we're really sorry, but the American president just passed through. I know. Could you imagine? Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about it was the way it was all set up because basically he turned around – he was due to go to Poland to make a speech on the anniversary of the start of the Ukraine conflict. Yep. And he basically went, I want to go to Kiev. And he left it up to his people to get it organised. The, th- the thing I loved were the two journalists that went with him because basically they pared everything down. When he left America, he flew out on a little jet. He didn't fly out on Air Force One. Yep. And every time the plane was on the ground because he went to Ramstein Air Force Base, Ramstein Air Force Base yep. in Germany. And even when he was there on the ground, the blinds were drawn. So no one could see who was on the plane and he didn't get off the plane. And then, of course, as you said, he caught the train. Now, the thing I love about this was the two journalists that were selected to go with him to cover it. So it was mm. a journal, actually a journalist and a photojournalist. Basically, they were briefed, this is what's going to happen. You'll get a text message saying the golf tourney is on. Okay. That was the message they got. They showed up at Edwards, got on the plane, went to Ramstein. <laughs> and then they flew into, I believe it was Warsaw, and then caught the train all the way to the Ukraine, 10 hours. 
I know. So Alexander Kamishin, who is the head of RAL in Ukraine. Oh, very well done. He tweeted a whole thread about it, which was really interesting. Basically, he said, grab some popcorn. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tweet about it. This is going to be a thrill. Um, I like how he created a little thing and called it Rail Force One. <laughs> He's got, got a little picture. All right. We, we will put this on our Twitter feed yes, at it's actually, The whole thread is actually really good because yeah. he was talking about how it's an honour and a privilege and how the whole team had to work really hard to, to kind of make it happen. Out of the 24 hours, President Biden spent 20 on the train both directions yep. and only four in Kiev. Yep. So he said it was really important that the, the trains were up to scratch. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the interesting thing. The same train that they use there would be the same train they're using to get other people in and out. But what yes. they can do is on the, on the turn of a dime, they can literally refit the train to make it a VIP special, which you have to have. Yeah. Remember, Albo went to Kiev as well. Yep. Right. Now, he would have gone in on a train as well simply because it's contested airspace. You can't fly over it. So he basically said he's not going to say much more about the mission, but he will say it was quite a complicated project. Yeah. Our iron diplomacy program helps my country withstand in this war. Mm. So, you know, I think that's what he works really hard on doing. But what was really funny is he said he wanted to apologise for breaking their on-time performance yesterday. <laughs> we had to delay some of the trains to give way to Rail Force One. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> remember when Mike Pence visited Sydney and it shut the entire place down. He was here for like 20 minutes. And, and, and hold on. And he goes, he finished off. He goes, it was painful for me and my team, but I had to do it. Like, he goes, so only 90% of our trains arrived on time yesterday, and I apologise. Now, um, 90% 90 and they're in a war. What is going on in Sydney? What's going on, Sydney Rail? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) Now, interestingly enough, here's the fun thing as well. The way they did it is, from what I've passed out from it, it really seems like they did it all in stages because the train was stopped at one point when it yep. was leaving Poland and about to go into the Ukraine. It stopped into, not the Ukraine, it going into Ukraine. I've been picked up on that before and I'm just going to tell that listener if they're oh, listening. Oh, yes, you I'm have. I'm terribly sorry. I, I don't s- say the Ukraine, I say Ukraine. You say Ukraine. I say the Ukraine you because do. that's what we were taught when I worked back in the firm. And right? I felt like I was being tarred with the same brush as you and I'm like, I know how to say Ukraine because I yeah, work in news. Please don't tar. Michelle, no. with the brush that you tar me with, it's my brush. Don't worry it's if you go tar. if you go look at it, all our of our comments. Yes. they all hate me. They, uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't talk, hate you; they just want you to stop picking on me. But no, hey. it's because we have like male boomers who listen, and of course they're going to love you more. <laughs> no male boomer loves another male boomer. Yeah, That's they do. They no, they we- see their kind, they see their <laughs> ilk, and they really really. They really identify with you. Let's get back to Biden. Right. Okay, no. The other thing was the train stopped to take on added security. So what would have happened was it was a very small party that left and then they built the party as he went in because yep. and the thing is it wouldn't he wouldn't be using ukrainian security he wouldn't be using polish security he would be using u.s security of course. now the interesting thing about this one he didn't travel in air force one extremely rare for a president to do that yeah but this is a very he he broke a record he's done a first he's the first president to visit a war zone where american boots are not on the ground because, you know, George Bush going into mm. Iraq, Obama going to Afghanistan, they land at Bagram Air Force Base or whichever Air Force Base it is, they're in the middle of the perimeter. They're not in any real threat. But Biden went into Kiev, and the interesting thing was as they were walking out of the cathedral, he and um, Zelensky, of course the air raid siren goes off because the Russians had launched a jet that yep. was missile capable. 
And what was interesting, they both sort of went, oh, well, this is going on. Let's get some more photos and move along. Now, we had a lot going on. So we had Joe Biden. He's now officially boarded Air Force One and he's out of there. Mm-hmm. So he took a, a quick trip to Poland. Oh, he, he's long home. Yeah, yeah. He, he vowed that the US will defend literally every inch of NATO territory. Yep. Then you had China's top diplomat, Wang Yi, who met Vladimir Putin in Moscow. Yep. So you've got China and Russia going, well, hang on a minute, look at what's going on here. Now, this is an interesting thing as well because there have been recent war games, Mm. naval joint exercises, joint naval exercises with the South African Navy. Right. Right. So South Africa, China and Russia. Now, China have turned around and said, look, we're going to support Russia, but we're not going to give them any ammunition, which becomes a very important point, which we'll talk about in a second. But the interesting thing is suddenly South Africa have brought in China and Russia to have a joint naval exercise. A lot of people were like, why would Russia be having an exercise Mm. while they're in a war? It's a naval exercise. They can only have so many ships on the Black Sea. Yes. So they were going to take, uh, I think it's called the Admiral Kuznetsov or, or Koznov or something, one of their big missile boats that has an ultrasonic missile or hypersonic missile. That They went, we're taking our boat with hypersonic missiles, but no, we won't be shooting one. So the whole thing is, and it's an interesting little thing that's going on with China and Russia, they're really targeting Africa at the moment. Because that's the next big market. And why is that? It's the next big market. It's got a population that's growing. It's undeveloped. So if you want to make money, you want to develop a country, right? Right. So if you've got all these little undeveloped countries, once you get political stability, particularly in places like the Congo, all of these, uh, Sudan, if you can settle those areas and then develop those areas, there is tons of money to be made. And also you have a grateful population that when you get picked on by another nation, say NATO and the West, as Putin is implying, yep. you can then call on them to come and help you. Yes, because he did rage kind of against the West in a speech, decried as absurd propaganda. I mean, anything he says is pretty much absurd propaganda. It was a pretty combative state of the nation speech. He's blamed the West for the war in Ukraine. Oh, well, they were, yeah, it's actually Ukraine's fault. It's, it really yeah. feels like a bit of global domestic violence. He, he is. You, I have you're making to, me hit you. I have to say that Putin is the king of gaslighting. Oh, God. He's yeah. gaslighting the world into believing that they are the saviours, mm-hmm. which is why, which is so remarkable. And to be fair, there's probably people that believe it. I, look, I, and interestingly enough, if you go on Twitter, which I've been doing a lot. On Twitter at I Spied Podcast. On Twitter at I Spied Podcast. I've been spending a lot of time there and interestingly enough, looking at a lot of the rhetoric that's coming out from people on Twitter about this. Now, a lot of people coming out of, funnily enough, the United States are supporting it. Almost all of them have blue ticks. Almost all of them have less than 20 followers. Hold on. Blue ticks. You can buy them now. You can buy them. Yeah, exactly. So this is the thing. A lot of people are coming on and they've they've really set Mm. their – because every time I see someone's comment, I go and have a look at their profile. Yeah. I'm that kind of person. Especially when the comment is ridiculous. Well, my favourite was someone – one of the big things that – the rhetoric that he's using a lot, Putin's Mm. using a lot, is the fact that the West is decadent, everyone's a pedophile, um, (laughs) everyone's a pedophile, and the family is being destroyed. And in – this was what was really interesting about his speech. He went, you know, there are homosexuals and pedophiles everywhere. Now, we're not interested in whether you... We, we support marriage in all its forms, but real marriage between a man and a woman, that's not to say you can't be homosexual, but it is illegal and don't do it. So it's just like, hang on, you're trying to appear as... No, we're a freedom-loving country, just it's the freedom we designate as being free and everything else comes at a cost. 
generally being locked in a gulag for a certain number of years or chemically castrated. But the whole thing is it's that classic trope. And it's weird Mm. because it's one of the things you see coming out of incels, coming out of sovsits, all these – the the right-wing stuff is that idea of, well, they're pedophiles, therefore they're bad. Well, I mean, it's kind of – He's made it obvious that a lot of what they were doing was agitating Mm. this narrative that Mm -hmm. there are pedophiles and, you know, this right kind of right-wing narrative. So I think that was kind of a mistake on his part because anyone with – any modicum of intellect would see that, okay, why are you speaking like that? What? Yeah. Why are you you're using that particular language? That's because you knew that it worked when you would hack into places, when you would be on Twitter with yep. all your secret agents, yep. with their secret Twitter. Your um, bots. Your bots. That was like kind of like the narrative that you were driving. And it's surprising to me that people didn't pick up on that as much. Well, I think they did. Uh, right. What's interesting is, again, as I said, a lot of the stuff coming out from comments supporting the speech – uh, well, yes, they're right, and really, the only, the only real family is a man and a woman, and yep. God denote, you know, mm. God has told, and God, is, and it's a, there's a lot of God, 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 right? So it's appealing to that yep. base, but also how much of it? Just again, don't come to Sydney over the next two weeks. We've got World Pride. It's yes, a bit of a thing. It's be so great. much fun. But the, the the flip of that is, and it's a really important thing to keep in mind, is how many of those are genuine actors, and mm. how many of them are bots or someone in a you know in a an internet farm yep. somewhere in St Petersburg. Yep. Just trolling the internet. I mean, they have a, a big internet farm. So he also said Russia would suspend participation in the New START Treaty. This was a big one. Yeah. That people kind of got really. It's kind of like this one thing that he does where he likes to threaten nuclear warfare without actually doing it. That's the thing. That's the yeah. saber he loves to rattle. Yes. And that becomes totally. a problem because really it's it's crying wolf. Yeah. Now, which, it, which at what point does he go, okay, I've been crying wolf a lot. Maybe I need to just press a button. Yeah. But the interesting thing was he sort of said, you know, we won't test a mis- missile, but if America tests one, we'll test one. Yeah. And it's just like the Americans are sitting there going, we, we don't do that anymore. No, I know. It's like, when off. was the last time they tested? Uh, honestly, I think it was back in like 19... It was in the 1990s. I think mm. it was the last time they did a test. And they haven't done an atmospheric test in a long time. The ones that are testing are countries like North Korea. Yeah. And just to throw a little thing, yeah. you know, a little idea, that because we're going to talk about this later on in the series, is Iran. Iran, they believe, is very close to a nuke. Yeah. So they, they, these are big problems. Now, him turning around saying... We're going to ignore START, yeah. the, the Nuclear Test Ban Treaty and the treaties for proliferation. Well, they have more warheads than anyone else on the planet. Mm. And, in fact, I think it's 90% of all the warheads are held by the United States and Russia. Yep. Right. Russia has an order of magnitude more than America. Mm. So the whole thing of he's going, we're going to build more. God, you can destroy the world five times over already. What do you need them for? Yeah, exactly. So to I me, it's an empty threat. It is an empty threat. Okay, so enough about that. Let's yep. move on to Burgess because a lot there's a few things that we want to unpack here. Mm. But I will say that maybe there's there's a few things going on between Ukraine and Russia that we might need to do an app on it pretty shortly. Oh, most definitely. Because yeah, I think yeah. there, there's a few other that. things. Yeah. Yep. Also, it's been a year, which is so crazy because everyone was like, oh, take up a couple Just of weeks. Just a couple of days yeah. ago was the anniversary, you know, <laughs> yeah. they wheeled a cake in. Yeah. And- yeah, yeah. And then they annexed part of that cake <laughs> yeah. and then the other people started fighting over that slightly that annexed slice piece of, of cake. cake. And away we went. And yes. Okay, so Burjo. Back to back, Burjo. to say here. Yeah. So the big thing was that they've broken up a bigger and more dangerous spy network than A hive before. of spies this a time. A hive of spies. It was a nest last time. This is now it's a hive. 
I think next time it will probably be a herd. Yes. And then a mob. Yeah. Uh, right. Now, he and he said, like, this spy network is probably one of the most put together, yeah. highly trained nest of spies that they've seen. Highly trained. So there was no uncertainty that this was an intelligence operation. Yes. They had yeah. tradecraft. They, yep. It was a very sophisticated setup. Yes, sophisticated. Um, and they knew what they were doing. And also by the sounds of what he was saying, there were people in there that were very much sleepers. They'd been yep. put in position a long time ago. Yes, because he said that um, a lot were working undercover and some had been in place for years. Proxies and agents were recruited as part of a wider network. I do like the way he started using the word lackeys. Yes. He started talking about people that are working for other governments to try and get influence, you know, governments trying to get influence in the Australian government or in Australian business or universities, calling them lackeys. I mean, the language was very much like we look down upon you. You're a lackey of another country. So it was very interesting. Well, yeah, and he said that multiple nations were using espionage and foreign interference to advance their interests and undermine Australia. There was a lot. He kind of highlighted a big attack on defence, particularly which is important now with the AUKUS agreement. We had the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, just speaking, well, yesterday in terms of when we record this app, but yesterday speaking about Australia's security and Mm -hmm. how we're sitting with AUKUS. So I think security is becoming a real kind of front and center issue. I think the thing that one of the things that he said that I like, as he said, he, he listed why espionage is a problem. You know, it takes away sovereign choices, mm. it steals advantages, it damages the economy. You know, there, there is espionage is was and always will be a threat to every nation on yes. the planet. Now, interestingly enough, with the foreign interference side, there has been a lot of talk recently. Malcolm Turnbull fronted the Senate estimates on the Foreign Interference Transparency Scheme, yeah. which is basically where you're meant to say, I've been talking to a foreign diplomat or a, you know, a representative of a foreign country about something, and he was basically complaining. A scheme that he, by the way, set up, it was his mm. government that set it up, saying it's not being used correctly, either things are being overlooked, or I got pinged for doing a speech in South Korea, and why wasn't that just let go because it was just a speech? But the thing is, it was... Um, it was something that James Patterson, Senator Patterson, brought up, and also, of course, Burjo brought it up, is the fact that people are like saying, oh, look, you know, we all do it, and it's just like lobbying, mm. and it doesn't matter. Yes, absolutely correct. We all do it. But that's not ASIO's job. ASIO's job isn't to do it. ASIO's job is to stop it happening here. Yeah. Right? So for people to turn around, and Patterson brought up the idea that a lot of people have been telling Australian government, and this was, as he put it, Government official or bureaucrats, businessmen and academics have been mm. telling the Australian government to back off China. Now, why would people do that? Well, people in government would be saying it because we're trying to get a deal done here. Same with people in business and universities, we don't want to lose our students. Yeah. The thing is, and this is the really important point that Patterson made, was he then turned around and said, I'm not saying anything about ministers. No ministers were doing this. So it isn't actual government policy to turn around to an organisation like ASIO and say, back off, we're trying to do a deal here, we don't want to upset the Mm. Chinese. But interestingly enough, Burjo talked about this in his thing going, there are instances where we're being told to back off, we're not going to do it, that's not our job, which is a really good sign. Yeah, and he did kind of highlight how important it is to spell out that they're on top of this stuff because they want their adversaries to know this, particularly in terms of the AUKUS agreement. He said it's critical that our allies know we can keep our secrets and keep their secrets. Yep, because that has been a problem, as we said last time. That has been a problem for Australia in the past. Uh, We have lost access to intelligence because people didn't 
believe it could be trusted. There was also a point just after I left the organisation where there was potentially, you know, the idea that the KGB or mm. at the time the FSB had an asset in the organisation and a long-standing asset in the organisation and suddenly everyone went, can we trust ASIO? What I loved and I love this thing that he said is our approach to security is mature, our security architecture is sophisticated and our partnerships are strong. Yeah. Right. And then he went on to talk about how – and but it must have been an intercept. It's either an audio or a telephone intercept they got from an intelligence officer. I think you're going to say what I found. <laughs> yeah. Like I cracked up at this one. The adversary is complaining about how difficult it is yes. to operate in Australia and the direct quote is, I picked the wrong posting. The security service makes this one impossible. And he, you could tell he was very, very pleased with himself. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, literally, I have a little thing I do with my students where if they do something really well, I go, yeah. you know, raise your right hand. Put it over your left shoulder, <laughs> give yourself a pat on your back. And that's exactly what he was doing. It's like, and good on him. Look, they've cracked a nest of spies. We're getting a reputation in the security world, in the intelligence mm. gathering and security world, yeah. that we are a tough nut to crack. Yes. That's really, really good news. Yeah. He said they were obviously really good, but we were better. Yeah. And look, the interesting thing was also the tactics that countries are using to try and get that foreign influence. I yes. love the thing where they're talking about fact-finding tours, study tours, <laughs> you know, and it's it's politicians, it's yeah. academics, yeah. it's bureaucrats, and it's journalists. Yeah. Has anyone offered you a study tour anywhere? Uh, not recently, yeah. but I'm, I mean, China, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. <laughs> Look, invite me for a study tour. I'd uh, love to come on and study your whiskey. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting thing about that is he was very, very, very succinct in saying, I'm not just talking about China. No, yes. He said there were multiple adversaries. Multiple adversaries. And also the other thing that was really interesting about it was he said, not just adversaries, there are also friendly nations that are doing it. Mm. Because as much as... You know, we have Five Eyes and there's a lot of controversy going on with the Five Eyes organisation right now in that Australia can't spy on Australia. We can't spy on ourselves for certain reasons. We can certainly, if, if there is a reason within the ASIO heads of security that right. mean ASIO want to look at you, we can look at you. Yeah. But if we don't have the reason to within our charter or within our legislation, we can't look at you. But that doesn't mean that one of the Five Eyes can't look at you for us, mm. right? And there's a lot of controversy about, well, are the Five Eyes nations spying on each other's citizens to do the cutout? So it, it doesn't mean, you know, the legislation isn't being yeah. breached. But the other thing is, you know, there are countries that we are friendly with that will still spy on us. I mean, one of the things everybody that came up again on Twitter yeah. was when that was brought up. There are countries that we are friendly, we have friendly relations with. One of the, it, literally everyone went, Israel, 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 Israel. Because mm. Israel do, they have a lot of study tours over there. And while people are there, they're influenced so they can walk into parliament or government or their press, into their press office and go, well, look, actually, having gone on this study tour mm. to Israel, I actually think, you know, the Palestinians are absolutely wrong. and the, So they're, they're buying influence. Yeah, and he said that ASIO is probably the busiest they've ever been. He said busier than ever before, busier than any time in our 74-year history, busier than the Cold War, busier than 9-11, yep. busier than the height of the caliphate. That's right. So this is crazy because we all have just – we're all plodding along going, everything's fine. and It's never fine. That, no, there's a level yeah. – there's a deeper level that's going on that people aren't aware of. And a lot of this – a lot of this, well, what what he did allude to as well, is this whole shutting down of military veterans getting jobs outside. 
Oh, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, regards the, the to the pilots, the pilots yeah. were being offered jobs in China. So, you know. Well, they, actually, technically they were being offered a job at a flight school in South Africa. Yes. And those guys were then bringing Chinese pilots in to learn the tactics of the West. Now, yes. as he said, most people when they were approached and said, don't do it, most of them went, we're patriotic, we'll say no. Yeah. But there were the ones that went, screw you, I need the money. Well, which is also fair. Well, you know, you have a skill, that you, a teachable skill, and if you can get paid to teach that skill. Hey, I teach impro, and you know what? The Chinese are always approaching me. Yeah. <laughs> no, Australian impro must remain pure. My, you can't well, have my secrets. Yeah, my, da- my dad, who's a flying instructor, and he was in the Air Force for many years, but yep. he, he's a flying instructor. He's spent his whole life living in other countries and being a flying instructor yeah. because that's where the work is, that's where the money is. Yep. I don't think he's training pilots to do anything nefarious. No. But like <laughs> no, no. Well, no, well. interestingly enough, if he was there as a seconded officer into another military yeah. organisation, of course well, he no, was Well, no, he has never. No. Right. The, the thing that I found really interesting, one thing, and also I did a, an interview straight afterwards, the, the morning after the speech, I did an interview on ABC in Canberra because they were really fascinated. Yeah. About, oh, 1,600 people have put their security vetting on social media. Right. They, they'd said that uh, business platform. So LinkedIn, let's call it what it is. People are going on LinkedIn going, oh, by the way, I've got a top secret security clearance, which is just like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Right. As I said in the radio interview, you save that for the interview. Yeah. Right. But I also sort of of went, yeah, that wouldn't work on Tinder. Oh, it's okay. I've been vetted. Okay. I don't need contraception. The guy is been vetted. Yeah. Um, but not only that, but one of the things he brought up and hey, at one point I went, is he talking to me? Where he said, the pundits and supposed experts that keep coming in and saying, we know what's going on and we're going to talk about it, yeah. you're wrong. Yep. You don't have all the information. We get all of our information from overt sources, right? You know, it's, it's all well, open source do. intelligence. Oh, yeah, a little bit I get from <laughs> sort of on the slide. Yeah, you've been breaking into a lot of libraries lately. Uh, but, you know, a lot of it is open. Like most pundits get it from open source. Yep. They might get occasional tidbits from a source inside an organisation, but generally not. And, of course, if it, it breaches national security, you're in a lot of trouble. But the bottom line is he said you don't have the whole picture. And that's, as you said just then, we're all walking around going, oh, this is okay and, you know, everything's hunky-dory. And then he paints this picture of actually it's not hunky-dory. That's exactly because they're doing their job correctly. Yeah, so when he says it's busier than ever before, is it – I mean, he did also mention, you know, cyber as well. We've mm. got the cyber aspect. But when he says it's busier than ever before, do you think that that's more that they're on top of it or that Australia is being considered more of a threat because of AUKUS? Or, like, what do you suppose that is? All of the above. Right. I think one. I think the other thing you've got to remember is we are a Western power, a minor mm. Western power, albeit, sitting directly below Asia. Right. Right. We are the first stop, literally. If you want to get to the West, Australia's the closest spot. So that's yep. why we – and we have a very strong tie to America, which has currently got quite a few problems with China. And because of that, everyone's going to look to us. I mean, the fact that he turned around and said that, you know, intelligence officers, foreign intelligence officers are turning mm. around going, Australia is a tough nut to crack. Yeah. That's a really good sign. But it also means that they are going to try to crack this nut. Right. Yeah, they're going to work harder. And that they, it's they, like challenge accepted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. You think you're good? No, I'm going to be out. Yeah. You think you can take me on? You watch this. Right. So, that, like, there are military information, business mm. information, our foreign relations. All of this stuff comes into play. And yep. at the moment, Australia is 
We're a tiny little nation with a very, very powerful economy. We're isolated in the world. We sit down here at the bottom. As a, you know, when I remember when Paul Keating said we're the ass end of the world, and I'm sorry, I'm a butt man. Mm. Um, <laughs> I love a good ass, right? And you look at Australia and it's a um, set of hips. Right? I don't really need to hear all this. Which makes Adelaide the butthole. Shush. <laughs> sorry, Adelaide, love you like a brother. Um, I mean, but also the Adelaide thing makes sense. Yeah, it does. We're, it's, it is the asshole of Australia. No. <laughs> no, it's not. We have a friend in Adelaide. He introduced us. We don't want to upset uh, Andrew. So the whole thing is Australia is a, a, a very prime target. But the yep. other thing is we are in a huge state of flux Yep. In the intelligence world and in the political world right now, Ukraine's blowing up. China is building. America is waning. There mm. are, um, Europe is a mess. England is a basket case. It's and Africa is sitting there just bubbling away, yep. waiting to burst. Right. This is the thing. We're in a massive state of flux, and down the bottom of the world is this little underpopulated landmass with every mineral you could possibly want, including helium, our favourite noble gas. Helium. helium. Right. Everyone wants a piece of us. I get we that. Are, we are like the the popular kid at school, and everybody wants to yeah, wants to buy us lunch. I mean, we're cool, or at least take our lunch money. Yeah. So look, the nest ta- of spies gone. Nest of spies. Don't take care of that. Yeah. Foreign influence. Get out. Yeah. We're not interested in you. Yeah. Orcas um, agreement. Tick. Security okay. strengthening. Tick. Subs. Maybe. One yeah. Day. <laughs> I mean, not sure. subs. We'll just keep talking about it. It'll yeah. never happen. Yeah. Ghost bat drone. We've got one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we're calling it the fruit bat from now on in honour of a podcast. Because the love. ghost bat was a really disgusting penis reference. Yeah. Now, one last thing I do want to okay, talk go. about is Putin had his speech to the elites. Yes. And I did love there was one photo of it. It was brilliant. Oh. A photo of Putin yep. talking about and families are the best thing and pedophiles shall never live and gay people should be shot. All this and it went it, somebody just posted a photo of the audience and half of them were asleep and it just had they're hanging on every word of his stories. Oh my God. But Because you know you know there were probably armed gunmen at the doors not letting them out. Quite literally. <laughs> I, I think that would be it. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that came up was he then went and did a pep rally the next day in Moscow. Yay. He went and did a pep rally. A little right? pep in his step. A, pep ra- a military pep rally. Now, lots of defence of the fatherland and this is a mystical and holy. Of- I love how he calls it the fatherland. The fatherland. Yeah. Everyone else says motherland. He yeah. cho- he goes fatherland. Yeah, well, you know, he's a misogynist. Yeah. What's he going to do? And also fatherland. Sounds a bit Nazi to me. Um, yeah. Which is the <laughs> other thing he had with the whole thing about Ukraine in his elite speech. We kept talking about how we've got to fight the Nazis there and it's like, the president's Jewish. And then he brought up the fact that, oh, there's the Edelweiss Brigade. Yeah, well, pretty much every army in Europe has an Edelweiss Brigade because if you've got a mountain, you've got Edelweiss and anyone who fights in the mountains or works in the mountains is an Edelweiss Yeah, because person. the hills are alive with the sound of music. Yeah, but again, a lot of family values rhetoric. Yeah. Um, but basically they were saying it reminded a lot of the observers of the totalitarian rallies that you've seen throughout the 20th century. But my favourite was there was an accordion ensemble playing 333, a song that was written especially for the Ukrainian war. Right. And then, of course, there was the a soldier. On the accordion. Uh, no, 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 an ensemble of, of accordions. accordions. <laughs> because you know it's better than one accordion? More. Yeah, yeah. Harry Styles and then an accordion ensemble. Yeah, forget Styles. Let's get into the yeah. toot yeah. Right, the other one was a soldier in camouflage. Very important that he was in camouflage. No one could see him. Rapping Katyusha. Now, Katyusha is a song. It's a marching song, essentially. But it was a an old folk song that became very, very 
very popular during World War Two. Where and Katusha is a woman standing by a river singing a song, waiting for her true love to come home from okay, war. Great, right? but it was wrapped. It was a rap song. So he rapped Katusha and then the assembled. Yo, yo. Yeah. Yo, 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 Katusha, Katusha. What you gonna do, Sha? Right? <laughs> I'm right. gonna play the bella like whatever. All right, uh, but Dog, then it ended with a massive military choir. Yep. And it was just lots of flag waving. It was. It's very, it, it's very North Korean. Someone, well, someone sort of said it was like the Super Bowl of war. Yeah. It, they were, it was the halftime it's, show. It was the halftime show. Uh, which means if that's the halftime show, war's over in a year. God, that'd okay. be nice. Yeah.